ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Yeah, we're here, folks. We are. We are back for another edition, a rousing edition of the Miller Frost podcast. Of course, I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, White Boy Malcolm X. And I hope you folks out there are having yourselves a grand gay old time this weekend. I know you women folk out there down for the gender equality struggle, celebrating Women's History Month, and coming off of International Women's Day this past Tuesday on the 8th, you are definitely having yourselves a grand gay old time. And again, to all you women out there, all you women with hoo-hoos, all you women with penises, All you part-time women out there, you drag queens, you gender-fluid folks, happy Women's History Month to all of you. And again, folks, if the idea of a woman with a penis, if that offends you, you are about to earn yourself a first-class ticket on a train to a re-education camp to get your mind right. Remember, it's 2022. Women can have penises, men can have vaginas, 20% of Gen Z kids out there can identify as queer. That's just how it is. No point in getting butthurt about it. It just is as it is. The inmates, at least for now, are running the asylum, at least when it comes to gender identity, so just best to Keep your head down, smile and nod, go along with the uh, the crazy for a bit, and hope and pray sanity comes back in fashion at some point here soon. I also wanted to wish you folks out there, at least you pro-abortion folks, happy belated Abortion Provider Appreciation Day, especially to you folks in Alexandria, Virginia, where your mayor, your virtue-signaling older millennial mayor, Justin Wilson, signed a proclamation making March 10th, and that was a couple of days ago, on Thursday, making it Abortion Provider Appreciation Day, and that was to 
quote unquote, celebrate the courage, compassion, and the high quality care that abortion providers and clinic staff provide in helping you, I guess, get rid of that baby that you don't want. But on a different note, we are still waiting on on Apple's iOS 15.4 to be released. And I was kind of hoping that at their event last Tuesday, where they announced a couple of new products, some high-end computers, a fancy monitor, a new iPad Air, a new Apple iPhone SE. I think that was it. I was kind of hoping that they would release the new iOS for our iPhones because we are still waiting, folks, for Apple's new Siri voice, which is supposed to be a non-binary one. And I can only imagine what Apple, what their idea of a non-binary voice sounds like. I don't know if it'll sound like Pat from Saturday Night Live, what they've got in store for that. But we are, the second they release that, we will definitely have to listen to it here on the podcast. And as a random aside, I was thinking, White Boy Malcolm X, because we had, a couple of weeks ago, we had the story that announced the coming non-binary voice on iOS 15.4. But when we were talking about that, the article that we cited mentioned the fact that Siri, that woke Apple, released, I think last year, some black voices. So Siri, in addition to sounding white, Siri also has two black voices, one for a man, one for a woman. But I was thinking about that after the fact because I suspect if I came on this podcast and I started talking about how black people, how they sound different from white people and that black people have their own dialect, I guarantee you folks, I would be labeled a bigot, and a racist thrown off of pretty much every platform out there for saying, for pointing out that black people have different dialect and sound different than white people. But Apple, woke Apple, on their phones, on my iPhone 13 Pro, has white voices and black voices right there. I would say, I don't know how they get away with it, but it's woke Apple down for the struggle. And I'm sure they've written some pretty hearty checks, bought themselves some coverage. So nobody, none of the good woke folk are going to get themselves triggered by Apple basically saying that black people sound different than, than whitey does. Although, now that I think about it, I don't think anyone, none of them woke folk, would really complain. Everyone knows that Whitey is evil. Whitey is the devil. Who the hell wants to sound like Satan? No one. So I'm sure the good woke folk 
probably appreciated Apple doing that, giving them their own voice with their own dialect so white Siri wouldn't be taunting them every time she spoke. They should do a a gay Siri voice, white boy Malcolm X. Get some minstrel gay, like Chastin Buttigieg, that low-rank queen from Indiana. Siri could be like, what can I help you with? Why are you bothering me? Something like that. Make the queens happy. If they can, if they're making a non-binary voice, they can make one for the queens. So let's go ahead and jump into things, folks. And this first one, it's from The Hollywood Reporter. Karen Edgerton is completely fine after passing out during stage performance in London. And when I first saw this story, folks, there actually, to me anyway, wasn't too much of a story. Karen collapsed during a performance, but he's okay. Nothing really to report there. And no, white boy Malcolm X, just in case, I know you're thinking it. I did not bring up this story to laugh at Taryn for taking himself a tumble. I was originally just going to do it so I could show off because I know, folks, how to pronounce, correctly pronounce his last name. And I only know that because we did a story on him a couple weeks ago and I was pronouncing it Taryn Egerton, which is how his last name looks. But I was corrected nicely over there on YouTube that his name is properly pronounced Taryn Edgerton. And of course, I also reported on this story because we have in our audience Tarantulas. And a Tarantula, for those of you who don't know, that is a Taryn Edgerton, well, I'll say groupie, but I don't mean that as a pejorative. They're Taryn fanboys, fangirls, fan, non-binary folk out there who look at Taryn, that's their guy. Not that we're judging that here on the Miller Frost podcast. Now, he's a bit too young for me, but he's, I would say, he's a very handsome young man. White boy Malcolm X, I know he's not ginger, but would you agree with me there, sir? Taryn Edgerton, not a bad-looking young man. You do agree. There you go, folks. Even white boy Malcolm X, who doesn't look at anything that isn't ginger, even he agrees. Taryn, not hard on the eyes. But just when I was about to call it a day, though, something, folks, something caught my eye. And that is the name of the production over there at the Ambassador Theater in London's West End. Taryn, he is apparently in a production called Cock. As in, yes, folks, a man's Johnson or man meat, however you want to call it. And when I saw that, I was like, what the what? Taryn Edgerton, he's in a play called Cock. What the hell is that about? So, of course, folks, I did some research, and this is what I found. Cock, 
which has Taryn in it. It also has Jonathan Bailey and Jade Anuka. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Jade, if it's not, I apologize. But here's the summary of Cock. John, played by Jonathan Bailey, is happy in himself and with his boyfriend. That's played by Taryn Edgerton. Until one day, he meets the woman of his dreams, who is played by Jade Anuka. So Taryn, at least on the surface, he is playing gay for pay in Cock over there at the Ambassador Theater in London's West End. And so this, of course, got me thinking, what the hell is going on here? Taryn playing gay for pay in cock. It's got to be, to me, white boy Malcolm X, and you folks out there, one of three things is going on. Number one, Taryn is going after world-renowned gay for pay actor Benedict Cumberbatch his title as world-renowned gay-for-pay actor, Benedict Cumberbatch. He wants to be world-renowned gay-for-pay actor, Taryn Edgerton. Take that away from Benedict. And between playing Elton John in Rocket Man and now the hapless boyfriend in Cock, there at the Ambassador Theater in London's West End, could be that. Or... Number two, he is playing a hearty game of closet peekaboo. Like, for example, AJKJ Appa, that strapping young stud of a ginger, second only to Ronald McDonald in the eyes of white boy Malcolm X, him and his drag alter ego, Fifi. You got Harry Styles out there wearing a lot of dresses pissing Billy Porter off in the process. And I feel like, White Boy Malcolm X, I feel like we're missing someone. Wasn't there a third one playing a hearty game of closet peekaboo? Ed Sheeran, speaking of gingers, no, Ed Sheeran was not playing a hearty game of closet peekaboo. What Ed was doing, he was playing... He was plagiarizing a hearty game of Closet Peekaboo. And he was doing that for attention. If memory serves me correctly, Ed, he came out in some article, said he thought he was gay when he was younger, and he thought that because he liked musical theater, pop music, Britney Spears. Not that I know how listening to pop music makes you a big old queen. But Ed was just doing that, I think personally, because he saw how much attention AJKJ Appa and Harry Styles, how much attention those two, and I think one or two others, but how much attention they're getting playing a hearty game of Closet Peekaboo. So Ed, being a, being a bit of a, well, allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, being a bit of a plagiarist was just plagiarizing that as well. So that's theory number two. Taryn 
He's just playing closet peekaboo. My third theory, which is also just as plausible, my third theory is that he's already out and about, but nobody is reporting on it. It's like when I lived in L.A. back in, I would say, the mid to late aughts. It was, I think, late 2004 to about mid-2009. There were actors everyone knew. You had, like, Kevin Spacey was one. Nathan Lane, he was another. Worst-kept secret in Hollywood. Everyone in the film industry, everyone in town, knew those two were big old queens. It was just never reported on. And I only mention those two because I know they have already come out. And there were others, but I'm not mentioning names. If they're not out, it's not my place to shine that spotlight on them. But I do have to say this. If he's out or if he's playing a hardy game of closet peekaboo, Karen Edgerton, white boy Malcolm X, he would make a really fine addition to the tribe. Our lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe. So, Taryn, however which way you swing, good luck in cock. Have yourself a grand, gay old time doing all that. This next story is for all you virgin pajama boys. Living in your parents' basement, eyeing up that sex doll in the corner, playing with yourselves, your Pokemon cards, your Playstations, masturbating to Marvel films, masturbating to DC Comics, masturbating to whatever the hell they're posting on Reddit this week, freaking out your parents, freaking out the neighbors. This next story from The Conversation is for you. Lord of the Rings, debunking the backlash against non-white actors in Amazon's adaptation. And so I guess Amazon, they are doing their own version of Lord of the Rings, and that will be coming out in September of this year, And it's called The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. And I guess, as part of that, Amazon, they have cast themselves a couple of non-white actors to play an elf and a female dwarf. And I guess, some of you virgin pajama boys out there, living in your parents' basement, doing all that other weird crap down there, Some of you are a little bit triggered about that, a little bit butthurt that Amazon, they are disrespecting Tolkien's books by casting non-white actors in what these folks think are white roles because I guess elves, dwarves, hobbits, at least in Tolkien's books, they're all white. Of all the hills to die on, of all the things to complain about, a BIPOC elf or dwarf, that would not make my top, I don't know, one million list. I mean, who gives a crap what color they are? Yes, I know the books, at least according to this article, only described those characters as white, 
But who gives a crap if BIPOC actors or actresses are playing some of these parts? If this is something that sets you off, man, you really do need to get yourself a life. Get out of your parents' basement. Start adulting for a change. Maybe meet a girl who isn't a sex doll. Do something, anything, so that your world doesn't revolve around stupid crap like this, where you have to pitch a fit over something so trivial as this. It reminds me, white boy Malcolm X, it reminds me of those folks. Like we had that story last week, I think, the new Batman movie, whatever that actress's name is, came out, said she thought her character was bisexual. I guess in the comic book, that character is bisexual. And it was, I don't know, queerty, pink news, LGBTQ nation, one of those rags celebrating how extra queer the new Batman movie was because maybe possibly there was a bisexual in the film because having bisexual representation in a film, that's important to people as well. I don't know. I don't read any of these books. I don't read any of these comic books. Never read any of the Lord of the Rings. Never read any of the Game of Thrones books. Just haven't read any of the books that a lot of popular shows and movies are based on, based off of. So I don't know, watching these things, what's accurate in keeping with the book, keeping with the story, or what has been altered, reimagined, what have you, for the purpose of putting the book or comic book up in a, uh, a visual medium. I do, though, and this was years ago, many, many years ago, I did read Gone with the Wind, and I remember I watched the movie, and that had to have been a nightmare, trying to put that book into a movie. But in the book, Scarlett O'Hara, she has three kids. Two or three kids, I can't remember. But she had a couple kids before Rhett Butler, before he came along. Those two got married, had that little girl. But I remember watching that film and going, hmm, where are the other kids? But I didn't get butthurt about it. I didn't throw myself a public hissy fit about it. And I have no doubt, folks, that there is at least one, probably more than one, Reddit group dedicated to complaining about Amazon putting in BIPOC folk, at least a couple of them, to play elves and dwarfs. I'm sure people are ranting and raving over that. And again, to you folks out there, having a meltdown on Reddit or wherever about this adaptation a Lord of the Rings. Get out of that basement. Get away from that sex doll. Quit jerking off to Marvel films. Get yourself a life. I may just, I think I'm going to skip this one. It's from Esquire. Now boarding white people. The sideways looks 
I get when I fly first class makes me question whether I belong up there. What do you think? And this was, it was written by Mitchell S. Jackson, a very angry BIPOC guy. I would say he had a chip on his shoulder, but Mitchell here, he's got a redwood tree, roots and all, sitting right there on his shoulder. And this story, it opens up. He tells the tale how he got an upgrade into first class, and he goes up to first class. They had pulled him out of coach to put him up there. And he's talking about all the different white people up there in first class. Goes into detail, describing each and every one of them. And finishes with this. All of whom, talking about the white people, looked as though they believed themselves enthroned in their rightful place in the plane, tantamount, one might argue, to their rightful place on earth. So basically... This whole article, Whitey sucks, Whitey still sucks, Whitey just sucks in a completely different way. White people sitting up in first class, they're all a bunch of racists. They feel entitled to sit up there. It's their rightful place on the plane, just like living the grand life. That's their rightful place on earth. And I guarantee you folks, Nobody on that plane, nobody in first class, all those white people up there, none of them cared that he was black. If anyone on that plane didn't like Mitchell Jackson, it wasn't because he was black. It would be because he's just an angry douchebag with a giant redwood chip on his shoulder, looking to get offended, looking to find racism wherever he looks, and he looks everywhere. I think that's what they call projection. The only racist in first class that day was Mitchell. From the Daily Mail, Gabby Petito's parents, and I think that's how you pronounce their name. Do you know White Boy Malcolm X? No idea? Okay, neither do I. But let's try that again. Gabby Petito's parents are suing Brian Landry's parents, claiming they knew he had killed his girlfriend and still try to help him flee the U.S. This one. First off, they're his parents. I'm not saying what they did or are accused of doing, if they did this, was right. But I can can understand a parent's impulse to save their child, try to save their child, no matter what. Are Gabby's parents, are they going to say that, let's say, she had murdered him? Are they going to say they wouldn't try to help her out in some fashion if she had done that? And both kids are dead. I don't know what the point of this is. This is kind of like Britney Spears trashing her parents in public, trashing grandma and grandpa to her kids in public. It's not going to fix anything. It's not going to make everything all better. It's not going to bring her back. Suing the parents for maybe possibly trying to help him escape. It's not like he got away with it. They helped him 
avoid justice. But I guess some folks, Gabby's parents included, think this is going to somehow bring them some closure, try to go after his family for making a mess of theirs. But win or lose, they're going to feel exactly the same way. So again, nothing good will come from this. From Variety, NAACP faults Hollywood's lack of black CEOs and top executives. So the NAACP, they want more quotas. Man, they love themselves some quotas. It's not enough, apparently, to have all this new representation in movies, on TV shows, in the writers' rooms, which, as an aside, real quick, folks, I read an article probably a couple months ago talking about how a lot of the studios, they're forcing into the writers' rooms more representation, the BIPOC folk coming in there. And a lot of these writers' rooms, a lot of these folks have been working with each other for quite some time and have built a rapport, built a trust, a psychological safety, so to speak, where they can, uh, they can bounce ideas off each other, talk through storylines, character arcs, what have you, and nobody gets triggered, nobody gets butthurt, because the whole point of that is through that creative chaos to craft the best story that tells the best story to create the best project that you can. But now they're starting to put people in these writers' rooms, overly sensitive BIPOC folk who are getting extra triggered, extra butt hurt, hearing what goes on, running to the HR department to file complaints, and it's just screwing a lot of things up in Hollywood. I suspect the BIPOC folk, they're probably just a hair sensitive, maybe that's the word, to the fact that they are, they're in those rooms, not necessarily because they're fantastic writers. They may be, who knows. But their primary qualification, so the Hollywood studios can check a couple of diversity boxes is their skin color. But back to the NAACP. They want more quotas in the, in the fancy offices over there in Hollywood. Get them some BIPOC folk making some decisions, getting the authority to green light projects, which I guess will make all of them feel better about themselves. Maybe those new executives Grateful to the NAACP for for calling out Hollywood's lack of black CEOs and top executives. Maybe those executives will write the NAACP a huge check or two, rain money down on them to show their appreciation. Kind of funny, though, the NAACP lecturing Hollywood, wagging that finger in disapproval 
because Hollywood doesn't have enough black folks up there in the executive suite. They, at their last NAACP Image Awards, in handing out the President's Award, what did the NAACP do? They handed the President's Award. They handed that to Prince Harry Ginger and his dopey wife, Meghan Markle. So the NAACP can't even hand the President's Award to a fellow black person. No, they hand it to a couple of spoiled brats, white or predominantly white spoiled brats, instead of practicing what they preach. The NAACP, they're just like a lot of the gay organizations out there, GLAD, Human Rights Campaign, all those other, all the professional gay organizations, perpetually unhappy, out looking for, well, for the NAACP, looking for racists under every rock, the professional gay organizations, out looking for homophobes under every rock. They were created and are now sustained and have been for many years on this perpetual notion that they're all victims, that they're all oppressed. It's a grievance racket where they go out, cry racism or homophobia, get people or companies who want a virtue signal to write them big checks, keep the party going, keep themselves in a grand gay old lifestyle, living off of others, living off of donations, and finding new and creative ways to keep that cash cow, keep those Benjamins coming in. From page six, Kim Kardashian goes, Instagram official with Pete Davidson. And I got nothing on this one. No, white boy Malcolm X, I literally have nothing to say about this. Well, except these two media whores, desperate for attention, they deserve each other. They really do deserve each other. And I guess Miley Cyrus, her plot to maybe possibly steal Pete away, get that big dick energy all to herself. I guess that failed. And Kim going on to Instagram to make it official with Pete and I assume Pete's big dick energy just goes to show again that high school never ends. From the Chicago Sun-Times, Jussie Smollett, yes, folks, that lying black queen, Jussie Smollett sentenced to five months in jail for staging fake hate crime in downtown Chicago. So Jussie Smollett, and I think this was, well, it was a couple days ago, Thursday or Friday, I can't remember, the judge in that case, he fined Jussie, again, folks, that lying black queen, fined him $25,000 and told him he had to pay back the city of Chicago, had to pay them 
$120,000 to reimburse the city for all that police overtime, trying to hunt down those fake MAGA guys that Jesse claims were out to get him. Jesse also got 30 months of probation. And to top all that off, Jesse, he got himself 150 days in jail. But assuming he has good behavior, he'll only serve about half of that. Now, I figured Jesse Smollett, that lying black queen, he would look at getting sentenced to jail like Hunter Biden, like Hunter would if a judge sentenced him to, I don't know, 150 days partying in Las Vegas. I figured Jesse, he would be looking forward to having himself a grand gay old time in jail with all those other men. Figured he'd be like, oh, judge, are you sure you don't want to put me in there for 20 years? Are you sure, judge? Hmm? You want to think about that? But I was wrong. First off, they had to drag his lying black ass out of that courtroom. Threw himself a bit of a fit. Still denying any culpability in that scheme. But Jesse, in going to jail, he asked for, and I guess they gave it to him, protective custody. Which I guess means he gets his own room. So in the battle of high-maintenance queen Jesse, or, man, I get to sleep with a lot of men, Jesse, kind of like little Nas X, that raging power bottom, high-maintenance queen Jesse, that Jesse won the day. And like I said, when we talked about this the last time when he was found guilty, it is all downhill from here. He's going to be in there for 75 days, and then after that, what the hell is that guy going to do? He ain't going to go back into acting. I don't think, now I could be wrong about this, but I don't think anyone in Hollywood is going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Maybe some crappy Sharknado-type movie. Here, Jesse, here's $50,000. We just need you to stand there. We just want the buzz you being in the film gets us. Maybe something like that. But it's over. For the most part, his best days are way behind him. If he's lucky, assistant manager to Starbucks. Assuming all the, uh, the over-degreed baristas. You know, folks, the ones with the six-figure women's studies degree, BIPOC studies degree, LGBTQ plus studies degrees. The student loans they'll never be able to pay back. Unless one of them beats poor Jesse Smollett, again, that lying black queen, to a management position. So, Jesse, good luck out there, son. God knows you're going to need it. And again, you are not fooling anyone. Continuing to lie about what you did. We all know you did it, Jesse. So sell your story to Gail King or whoever in the media. Cash out, 
confess, move on. From outspoken, does Chastin, yes, folks, Chastin Buttigieg, that low-ranked queen from Indiana, does Chastin want to date Ron DeSantis? By AOC's logic, Mayor Pete's house husband is only after one thing. And what they mean by that, those girls over at Outspoken, AOC, that ditzy bartender with the IQ of a cocktail olive, she once said that Republicans who criticize her actually want to date her. And Chastin Buttigieg, that low-ranked queen from Indiana, having injected himself several times now into Florida politics, those girls over at Outspoken, they are tweaking him to see, maybe possibly, if Chastin Buttigieg wants to date Ron DeSantis. You had Chastin, he got involved with the uh, don't say gay bill, which, which basically, it prohibits curricula on gender ideology or sexual orientation from kindergarten through third grade. But Chastin's out there rolling with the media narrative about how anti-gay that bill is. He did that, and then, I guess recently, Governor DeSantis, who we highly respect here on the Miller Frost Podcast, he had a news conference, I think it was last week, over at the University of South Florida, and he announced there a, uh, a $20 million grant for cybersecurity education. And during that press conference, when he went up there, there were a couple of college kids up there. They all had their masks on. And he told them, take off the masks. You don't have to wear those anymore. And so the media narrative with that was that Ron DeSantis, he was bullying kids, going after these kids for wearing masks. And so Chaston had to go after DeSantis for the lie that he was yelling at those kids. And just to pop back to the, uh, the don't say gay bill, don't you just love the gaslighting with that one? Folks like Chaston Buttigieg, try on you. Now they love to say, oh, we're not trying to indoctrinate your children. But Florida, in coming out with this law, restricting anything in the classroom, talking about gender ideology or sexual orientation in kindergarten up through third grade. And these leftist activists, these LGBT activists like Chastin Buttigieg lose their minds. Speaking of which, though, I saw this headline. It's from Just the News. Nonconforming gays defy LGBT lobby campaign to stigmatize Florida parents' rights bill, Bully Disney. Nonconforming gays, white boy Malcolm X. That, sir, that is what you and I are, nonconforming gays. And I'll tell you what, folks, those leftists in the tribe are lovable Star Wars bar of a tribe. Those leftists, man, they hate Hate, hate, hate non-conforming gays just like me, just like white boy Malcolm X. 
We are traitors to the cause if we don't embrace doctrinaire leftism. And they are definitely going after Disney on this. Woke Disney down there in Florida, caught in between this law, keeping all that crap out of elementary schools, at least up until third grade, and the leftists who aren't out there to indoctrinate your children, but they certainly want the right to talk to your six-year-old about sexual orientation. Go figure. From the post-millennial, NASA runs trial program on preferred pronouns in the workplace. So I guess over at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Maryland, they did a little pilot program over there, allowed people to have their super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns on their ID badges, and they did that for a little bit, but I guess this past Monday, the program was suspended, and they're still trying to figure out whether having someone's super special pain-in-the-ass pronouns is appropriate in a professional context. And NASA, I guess I should call them woke NASA, if they're playing the pronoun game, their associate administrator for diversity and equal opportunity, Steve, well, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, S-H-I-H, Shih, Shih, I don't know. Steve, if you're out there, I am not butchering your last name on purpose. I just don't know how to pronounce S-H-I-H. Shuh. That's what we'll call you. So Steve Shuh, he released a statement, and this is what that said. Through an effort to create a more inclusive workplace, NASA recently completed an IT project at Goddard Space Flight Center that allowed approximately 125 employees to test the option of including their gender pronouns in NASA's email display fields, which currently includes each employee's name, center, and an organizational code. The learnings from this test will be used to inform the advancement of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. And I looked up Steve Shuh. And again, Steve, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly. But I looked him up, and that one... He's a queen. Yes, white boy Malcolm X, Steve Shaw is a queen. If he's not a queen, I'll eat this microphone. First off, you can't have a straight guy running a DEI program. Or a white guy can't have that either. Steve, he doesn't check either of those boxes. He's a minority. He's a queen. He checks two boxes so he can run himself a DEI program. And this is what these sort of woke DEI programs get you. Pronouns. Super special. Pain in the ass pronouns. At least when a queen is running it. Like this one. You get a BIPOC folk. You get one of them running your DEI program, you get Whitey Sucks training. So it really just depends, at the end of the day, who's running the show, what kind of DEI disaster 
you wind up with. And I'm sure, folks, I have no doubt that the BIPOC folk working over there at Woke NASA, I almost said Woke NASCAR, but Woke NASA, I'm sure they're like, what the what? Pronouns? Pronouns are the hill we want to die on? What about systemic racism? What about white power, white fragility, white supremacy, white this, white that, blah, 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 blah. We've got to deal with Zizirza or they, them, or Shimshe, what have you. I'm sure the BIPOC folk, they are at woke NASA enraged that they've got to play the pronoun game when all they care about is trashing whitey. But you folks over at woke NASA have fun learning all those super special pain in the ass pronouns but save some of that hate for Whitey. Make those BIPOC employees happy that you're going after Whitey as well. And for our last story, folks, it's from the LGBTQ Nation. Those girls over at the LGBTQ Nation. Who made the polyamorous flag and why does the internet dislike it? The polyamorous flag is a hot topic in the ethical non-monogamy community, but why? Find out its history and the various attempts at a new design. And I got to say, folks, when I first read this article, the ethical non-monogamy community, I was like, what the heck is so ethical about that? Not that I'm saying it wasn't ethical. I'm just like, why is that word there? What is going on? But for those of you more straight-laced, like to find yourself One person, that's it. Not interested in anyone else, especially at the same time. A polyamorous person, man, white boy Malcolm X, the potential plosives in this article. I got to be real careful, sir, not to blow out this microphone. But polyamorous people, they have multiple loving, intentional, and intimate relationships at the same time. So it's like, You, white boy Malcolm X, you could be dating Ronald McDonald and you could also be dating AJKJ Appa. You could have yourself two gingers, both at the same time. And I guess what makes that ethical non-monogamy is that I guess there are a couple of rules in place. People got to follow those rules or I guess it becomes non-ethical. So I guess in an ethical, polyamorous relationship, white boy Malcolm X, both Ronald McDonald and AJKJ Appa, they would know about each other, know about the other's relationship with you, and they would be cool with that. That's okay. So you, Ronald McDonald, and AJKJ Appa, you could all hang out together. You could bang one of them. You could bang both of them. Everyone's okay. It's an ethical, non-monogamous, polyamorous relationship. Thank you, sir, for being such a wonderful example for this story. But I guess the polyamorous, those folks out there who are in these, these sorts of relationships, they have themselves their very own flag. And I guess that flag, that was designed by, his name is Jim Evans, And I guess that flag, 
it's been around for quite some time. People, I guess the polyamorous folks, they're not, at least some of them, they're not big fans of that flag. Kind of like me a couple of years ago with the gay flag. I was like, that rainbow, kind of stupid. We got to do better. But then what they're trying to do with it is turn it into the woke gay flag. So in addition to the normal colors, purple, blue, green, yellow, orange, red, they're adding brown and black to it, making it a woke gay flag. So now I'm like, okay, I can live with the gay flag. Just don't go woke. Remember, folks, as Donald Trump once said, everything woke turns to crap. And no, folks, Donald Trump, he did not say crap. But back to the polyamorous flag, people getting triggered over the original polyamorous flag. They are, there is a worldwide effort, apparently, to settle this dispute, come up with a flag that, Well, in their world, everyone can kind of sign off on. But in reality, everyone's going to be like, meh, it sucks, but I guess we can live with it. Whenever you try to solve something like this with a committee, it usually winds up being a big crap fest, a complete disaster, making a big mess of things when they should have just left it alone. But if you're interested, if you're out there and you are in an ethical polyamorous relationship or an unethical one, I don't really give a crap. None of my business. Polyam Proud, that is a group that's trying to put together a new flag. Narrow down, narrow it all down to a couple different designs. Hold themselves a global vote. If you want to be part of that, Get to vote on that. Whatever dumpster fire flag they eventually come up with. You can go to polyamproud.com. Take a look at what they got going on. Eventually, vote yourself a new polyamorous flag. Everyone's got to have a flag. White boy Malcolm X. So on that note, since I cannot top these silly swingers arguing about a flag, even if in the process of trying to fix this thing, they're going to create an even bigger mess, make an even uglier flag than the one they've got now. Since I cannot top that, it is time to plug pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this weekend edition of the Miller Frost Podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, White boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your weekend. A good start to your week. And we will see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.